Welcome to Church Matters Podcast for SGC Marlton. This is episode number 18. I'm Jason Reyes, Associate Pastor, and with me, as always, is our very own Warren Betcher, our Senior Pastor. Good to be with you today, Warren. How are you? I'm feeling good and doing well overall, yes. So I was out jogging yesterday, and the jogging outside is taking its toll, so I barely could walk the other night and had to take some Advil, and I thought, oh, that's a sad story. Well, you know, you've got a a lot of wear and tear on those joints, so that's just part of the aging, isn't it? Yep. All those early years when I had that huge vertical, it was just, I'm now wearing the toll of that. absolutely. Do they still have the video from the last dance when you... When they recorded you and, and all of your prowess, <laughs> athletic prowess, Jordan he nixed that from the from the last dance video because he it embarrassed him, and you know he doesn't want to be embarrassed, so he oh, no. he took Absolutely. out the section that I that where I where I did take him one on one, so he he took that one out. <laughs> well, listen, last Sunday you made a comment that you had an opinion on the economic stimulus package. Um, so, do you want to go ahead and give us your opinion right now? No, I would say this generally. <laughs> No, I do not want to give my opinion on that. All right, Let's keep not us publicly, moving. Not but you publicly. can have people contact you privately for a yeah. uh, tutorial, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not a, I'm I'm not shy enough to hide my opinion. So yes, uh, I go. wish I was more restrained. <laughs> we have done uh, so far. We've done uh, three uh, passages of scripture for scripture memory uh, for from the book of James. Uh, so James one two through four, James one five, and James one twelve. Uh, James 1.12 is this week, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And the only reason I'm referencing this right now, besides it's really good for our soul, is the fact that we are asking the church to send us your videos of you reciting uh, scripture. It'd just be a great way that we can reconnect, uh, even virtually. Um, and and see you, see your family members, and so old and young and everyone in between, please send us your videos. You can go ahead and do those uh, at sgc.church, and we'd love to go ahead and view those and post those as well uh, to the various social media sites that we have, that we host. So so church, please be doing that. Today's episode, uh, I wanted to touch base with you about some reopening thoughts, as, as this seems to be what's really in the news right now. Um, and so rather than skip to real practicals with regards to reopening, I thought it might be helpful for our church because this is a podcast for SGC Marlton. How do we think theologically about reopening? So what are the theological convictions? And then what are to be scripture's guiding principles for us as Christians as we think about the, the whole concept and the thought process? of reopening. Maybe we can go ahead and jump into some of the theological convictions, if we can, Warren, with you. So what are the convictions that should guide us, first of all, as a church? Um, And and we're also applying this to the context of reopening. Well, I think the first conviction is that theology should guide us and not our opinions, because our opinions can ultimately be narrow, flawed. We don't have all the information. We don't have the expertise. We're not omniscient. We don't have all wisdom. So I think that should always drive us that when we answer questions, let's start theologically, let's start biblically. That's going to be the the safest place, the wisest place, the best place for us to start. So I think even the conviction that we don't just pontificate, but that we think theologically, God gives us his word to help us. So I think that's the first conviction. I think then as it relates to reopening, 
I think there's well, a number me, of let things. Let me jump in. Go ahead. No, no, just a, just a thought on this because I think what you're you're starting off with is is really helpful, and I think it's actually assumed, and so people move on too quickly. And, and again, we've talked about openers versus closers and all this other stuff that's been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks now. But this whole aspect of that, the reality is, every single one of us are prejudiced one way or the other already because of our own personal feelings and generally speaking because of our own personal positions so if you're a business owner that is struggling uh, right now through this time well you're going to be wanting because of your business to be moving forward and that doesn't mean that that's a wrong ethic but it does mean that one is we do have to take a pause and say am i really impartial in this debate uh, because the reality is it's impossible. And so humility should drive us, and which is why I think it's really important that we think Godward first throughout this. I, I, am I summing up correctly what you're saying? Yeah, we want God to just to be in front of our thoughts, not behind them. And Christians often will have a desire, and this can be from personal dreams, right? You know, just I want to do something and I'll find verses to support me. So I think that's all can be all of our tendencies. I know that's how I justify where I went to college and what I wanted to do. It was like, I wanted to go to this college to play basketball. And by the way, I'll start a Bible study. I just added, I added, a, you know, a Christian thing to really what was my own, at that point, my own selfish and delusional dream. I think we're good at justifying. I mean, I know I am. That's where we say, how do I think God's thoughts after God and not in front of God? What are some of the theological convictions that should guide us as Christians as we think about reopening? I'd highlight four, and I'll try to be quick with them. I think, one, we believe, as Christians, we, we believe we are called to meet physically together. So I love the idea that we can live stream. I mean, this is a gift from the Lord. In any other generation, what we'd be doing right now, we'd be sending letters, you know, making, making phone calls. And so there is this great opportunity we have through technology to connect, but it's, it's not the same. And I think live stream is serving us right now. I think it might serve us evangelistically into the future because it lets us go to places. And some people say crisis catalyst to change, change that might have been coming and crisis sort of, you know, makes that change faster. And I think, well, what, how should the church change? Well, it might be how we reach the community. There's ways we can think about being creative from reaching the community, but it doesn't change the nature of the church. And the nature of the church is to be together physically. And there's so many things to hear God, the preaching of God's word, to sing together, to pray together, to share the Lord's Supper together, to observe his baptisms together. All those things function that way. And there's multiple scriptures in Acts, Hebrews, Colossians, it all speak to that. So I think we, we have that as a theological foundation that we're called to be together. But we also have another one, and, and these aren't competing theological convictions. They're complementing theological convictions. They take wisdom to apply them, but they're not in contradiction. Christians are also called to be subject to the government, to pray for the government, to, and to honor the governing authorities. And it may be on the honoring side that sometimes we feel most challenged. If the guy from our party is not in charge, I do find Christians can often talk prejudicially. If the guy's in who they like, they can be on that side. If he's somebody they don't like, they're on the other side. And we can become prejudicial in thinking. But the reality is the Bible is unwavering and uncompromising in this. We're called to be subject to, pray for, and honor the governing authorities recognizing they've been ordained by God. And this is where there's many texts. That's so key, isn't it, Warren? Yeah, that they've been ordained by God. So anytime you say, is, uh, is God's man in charge? Well, in one sense, always, the answer to that question is always yes, because God said in. And if you go to Romans 13, 1 through 7, where this is so clearly espoused, you need to remember Paul's writing that when there's an evil, 
there's an evil government and an evil emperor, and it's only going to get worse. And, and yet he's saying, no, this guy was, this guy was ordained by God to do that. So I think we have to recognize that. Uh, and again, there's other great texts. I think First Peter 2, 13 and 17 talks about this. And then you think about Daniel in the Old Testament, you know, who lived under an ungodly rule, but always respectfully, and the men around him honored the king. Uh, actually prayed for the king, spoke respectfully about the king, and obeyed all the laws of the king, unless they called them to directly you know, defy God, like bow down to the king as God. That one they couldn't do, but they were always respectful. And even in their disobedience, it was honoring and respectful. So I think that we're called to meet together, too. We're called to be subject to the government, pray and, and honor the government. And we do have to recognize God's the ultimate authority in all things. So if the government were to ask us to deny Christ, stop preaching the gospel. We're, we're not going to do that. That's not what they're asking right now. And I think the other principle conviction is we're called to love our neighbor and we're called to love one another. And so when we think about loving our neighbor and how broadly scripture defines neighbor, we've got to be thinking that means we should be concerned about the concerns of our community. And so if our community is concerned about the need to reopen, we should be concerned about that. If it's concerned about safety, we should be concerned about that. So I think in one sense, we're looking at our neighbors and saying, how can we be compassionate to them with the concerns they have? Not judging them for the opinions that we think they should have, but the concerns they have. So whether they're fearful, whether they're really bold, how do we love them where they are? And then obviously, even more so, how do we love one another? When I think about loving one another in this, if I were to give some other practicals to this, well, humility, my position could be wrong. Do we really believe that? Or do we believe we have all the facts We've understood all the facts, and we know the right, and we, ha we have sort of total wisdom. And so, again, certainly I have opinions, but what if I'm wrong? And the fact that I could be wrong should inform my humility. Also, patience with one another. For the Spirit's patience. Uh, God is patient with us. So how are we patient with someone if we, if we think they're not thinking wisely or rationally, or even if we go beyond that, which we shouldn't do, they're, they're being silly, or they're being reckless, or they're being fearful. Okay, well, what if they are being reckless? What if they're being fearful? What if they aren't understanding the situation correctly? Well, how am I patient? If they're not feeling my patience, they're not feeling the love that I should be demonstrating. So I think humility should mark us in this, patience. And then obviously, I think love binds those things together. We've talked about this on another podcast of the importance it is for us to love one another in differences. Romans 14 highlights this so well, people had different convictions. Paul didn't say they shouldn't have convictions. He didn't say their convictions didn't matter. He actually encouraged them to live their convictions. But there was a unity and a charity and a humility and a caring for one another that marked how they were to walk through those Those theological convictions really do serve as guiding principles mm -hmm. for the Christian as well. So what would be some of the guiding principles that you would highlight for us just as, as Christians as we're thinking through? and planning, you know, for the future reopen. Right. We obviously, obviously are actively planning for that without a time frame, but with a process. I think we want to work peaceably, as peaceably as possible with governing authority. We have a very good relationship, as do the churches in Marlton, with Marlton Township, politically, and with the police department. We want to preserve that as best we can. Why we sent six dozen cupcakes to the police is just to indicate our support, because they're enduring much through this uh, and recognizing sometimes they're in difficult positions. They might have to carry out certain policies and laws that they might not even personally agree with. And then they're processing all this personally. So they're people, and we want to make sure we're 
we're treating them well with respect and honor and working peaceably with them. So we're not looking to become antagonists with them and adver become adversarial with them in any way. Uh, we want to be as cooperative as, again, we can be and, and should wisely be. So I think working peaceably would be one. And then as pastors, we want to care for all of God's people. So we want to care for people that have different preferences and convictions on this. So we want to care for those that are going to be confident. We want to care for those that are going to be cautious. We want to serve those that are going to be confident, right? So, you know, how do we draw ourselves back together? But we also want to serve those who are going to be cautious. How do we, how do we provide a safe environment for them? So we're, we're trying to think on both sides and care for both sides. And I think those principles function. And then I think for us, humility functions. We're not experts. We are doing due diligence. We're reading. I'm reading stuff from the CDC regularly. I'm reading stuff from people who are writing theological articles. I'm talking to other pastors. Uh, we're soliciting on the police political side of things, their input, healthcare experts, all that is just an expression of humility for us. And that's a principle. You know, what do you think? How do you view? Uh, we're discussing a lot. We've solicited the input from our own congregation as an expression of humility, that we don't have all wisdom as an eldership to make these decisions independent of our people. You know, the Holy Spirit resides in them, the priesthood of all believers. So God's going to give them wisdom. And we've had our congregation interact with us with us in very helpful ways, from, from even theological input to philosophical input to practical suggestions. Particularly on the practical side is where we really want input. And these guiding principles, I mean, and I appreciate that you're, you're, you're kind of teasing out a little bit of the aspect of we're not experts. Um, and anybody who says that they are the, the complete expert and know everything about this virus and how it's going to function and work uh, into the future really is, is somebody that you either want to take to the racetrack with you or you want to dismiss. But this aspect of humility, and so I know the CDC uh, has issued ga guidelines uh, recently. They've updated some guidelines for reopening. And uh, it's interesting, they're actually doing one just for houses of worship as well. And that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they come up with and, and what are some of the guidelines that they recommend and so forth. And that's something that we want to really take heed of, you know, and we certainly want to uh, recognize that there's wisdom in this. It doesn't mean that every uh, dot and tittle will go ahead and be followed, but it is something that we're, we're seeking wisdom you know, as the best way to do this. And that really does seem like a guiding principle with regards to thinking theologically. So let me ask you this, and this is how did, how this hits home. And this is not necessarily with regards to just reopening, but maybe casting or opening a window, if you will, into our team. How do we handle disagreement on the eldership team with decisions that, that we are called to make? We attempt to be honest. So we try to get it out on the table. So we don't want to hide disagreement. That's not health. That's not maturity. And it's really not even humility. We're always asking each other, you know, do you have other thoughts? Uh, are you comfortable to share? So I think we're asking those questions. And guys will come back. And then I think working through conflict when we have conflict. So it's not that we've never not had conflict in a difference of opinion. So we'll talk about the opinions on one side, the decision, and we'll talk about the process on the other side. Fine with your thoughts, but sometimes didn't appreciate the attitude or you know, <laughs> behind the thought. And so, and I think that's part of how we work through, that's how we preserve unity. And it takes work. It's work to work through. And I'm not talking about relational conflict that's ongoing, but relational conflict in the moment. Uh, it's just like a married couple. You're not feeling your relationship threatened. But boy, real conflict resolution is not easy. And it does take work. Well, we would have the same thing. We're not calling our relationships into question. 
but we have to work through conflict. Um, so I think it's really asking for honesty in both your position, but also honesty in how you are communicating your position. I think we're doing that and trying to recognize that different people have different wisdom, you know, wisdom at different points and wisdom doesn't reside in one person. And that hat seems to move around the room. Who's the wise voice in the moment? That's a moving hat. Right. And it does seem to function well, you know, uh, with, with us. And, and it doesn't mean that all of the decisions that we make are unanimous, you know, in terms of their agreement, uh, but they are unanimous just with, with regards to once it functions, you know, once it's laid out, we're all in agreement. This is what we're, what we're doing. Um, and here's why. And it is interesting. I, I would say this other aspect of you got to know your own temperament as well and your own, what you bring to the table. So for myself, if someone's going to go ahead and argue a case before me, the emotional arguments just will not win the day uh, with me. I, I am a facts kind of guy. So show me the facts. And then once you give me the data, then we can go ahead and argue as to whether or not this is the right decision or not. Um, but I know there are other guys on our team that are more of the, uh, you know, argue from a sense of emotion. You know, this is what feels right, you know, so to speak. And so knowing these things just about myself, there are times where I need to pull back, you know, on my, well, show me the facts. I want to hear them knowing that there's something about this feeling that's driving them into in, in this direction. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's right, but I want to hear them. And so there's a general respect. And so I think, you know, some of the things right now that I feel like people 10 years from now that might be arguing uh, right now, but might reflect back differently 10 years from now, uh, once everything, the dust settles. It's just with regards to the whole wearing of masks. It's hard to go ahead and say that either side is 100% correct. There has to be a willingness to go ahead and to defer whatever your preferences are and to hear what is guiding them. And as leaders, we all have opinions. I mean, that's, that's part of the nature of leadership, right? Uh, and, and deciding direction and so forth. But there's a corresponding aspect of knowing this. Only God is sovereign. Only God is omniscient. We're not. We image him in, in very faint ways, much like the, the moon uh, images the sun in a very faint way. And so in light of that, humility must be our default, you know, in, in these arguments and in these statements. So, you know, just the encouragement for the church is that there will be disagreement, you know, about how we choose to reopen. That's guaranteed, right? Uh, especially a church our size. The answer really isn't complete agreement. The answer is submission to God. The answer is a love for God that extends to love for one another, even where there is disagreement and so forth. So these things are, are hot button topics. Um, I appreciate you spending some time talking about these, Warren, and I really appreciate you not framing the practicals, which we will as a church, we will be sharing and communicating, but it's really important that we do think theologically first, and also, how does this guide our principles, you know, in terms of what practices we're going to go ahead and take, so really appreciate that. Yeah, you can see, and, and Jason, you, you capture it well. Because um, so one of the things you capture for yourself is self-awareness. What are my own tendencies? And I think we can see other people's tendencies so clearly. Oh, yeah, We absolutely. can be blinder to our own. And I have to be aware of that. What's my tendency in this? How can my prejudices function in this? And they will. And how can lack of love function in this? Arrogance function in this? And I think if we're self-aware, and then we're just thinking charitably about other people, and that they're thoughtful, and they've come to conclusions. I think one of the things that's been helpful is 
I have seen medical people argue on both sides of whether it's how the virus is being treated or handled or interpreted or what should we be doing regarding masks. And the CDC changes certain things, you know, along the way. And I think, yeah, we don't fully know. And if we can just keep that in mind that we don't fully know and we have an opinion, fine. But it's more important that we love one another through those things than we're right. And it really is. This is the call, you know, to the church. It's it's not checked out uniformity. No, but it, it is the command to love God and love one another. And the world is watching. And we as a church, this is a way that we can be a beacon of light to the glory of God, that only the gospel is really what unites us and keeps us together. And rather than fighting over very silly things, it's a call that is rooted theologically. And again, grateful, grateful for your time in this, Warren. And we're hopeful in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the practicals uh, with regards to reopening. But I, I really appreciate this is a great starting point. So church as well, as you're listening to this, if you have questions, we would love to go ahead and field some of these questions on our pod- podcast. You can go ahead and there's a place on our website at sgc.church. Uh, you can go ahead and check that out and submit any questions that you might have. Uh, and again, thank you so much for listening. Warren, thank you for your time. Really Welcome. grateful to have you here again for another episode. And until next time, church, we love you. And we look forward to uh, talking with you in, in, in the future. Have a great day.